Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Thief and His Master. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading. Hans wished to send his son to learn a trade, so he went into the church and prayed to our Lord God to know which would be most advantageous to him. Ah, right. Then the clerk got behind the altar and said, Thieving! Thieving! (laughs) (laughs) What what kind of plot is this? And Hans looked behind the altar and went, what are you doing? And that's the end of the story. Oh, not quite, Adam. You've you've overestimated Hans there. (laughs) He fell for that hook, line and sinker. At this, Hans goes back to his son and tells him he has to learn thieving. What do you mean learn thieving? Because the Lord God had said so. (laughs) Of course he did. What did he go to thieving school? (laughs) What do you mean? Well, Hans goes with his son to seek a man who is acquainted with thieving. They walk a long time and come into a great forest where stands a little house with an old woman in it. Hans says, Do you know of a man who is acquainted with thieving? Ah, you can learn that here quite well, says the woman. My son is a master of it. Oh, okay. So he speaks with his son and asks if he knows thieving really well. The master thief says, I will teach him well. Come back when a year is over, and if you recognise your son, I will take no payment at all for teaching him. But if you don't know him, you must give me 200 talkers. And he accepts these terms. Yeah, he accepts these terms. What? The father goes home again, and the son learns witchcraft and thieving thoroughly. I didn't know witchcraft was in play. That's a key piece of information. that's just thrown out of left field. So the father was like, well, of course I recognise me as my son. But Master Thief's like, I'm going to teach him witchcraft. If, if you enrol for the full year, I'm going to throw in witchcraft for free. Okay? Now that's value at thieving <laughs> school. Value. Yeah. Well, I majored in thieving, but I did a few classes in witchcraft, so, you know. <laughs> when the year is over, the father is full of anxiety to know how he is to recognise his son. Oh, dear. As he is thus going about in his trouble, he meets a little dwarf who says, Man, what ails you? that you are always in such trouble. Oh, said Hans, a year ago I placed my son with a master thief who told me I was to come back when the year was over and that if I did not know my son when I saw him, I was to pay 200 talkers. But if I did know him, I was to pay nothing. And now I'm afraid of not knowing him and can't tell where I'm to get the money. Oh, poor Hans, he's distraught. Then the dwarf tells him to take a small basket of bread with him and to stand beneath the chimney. There, on the crossbeam, is a basket, out of which a little bird is peeping, and that is your son. Wait, what? Whoa, 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 I've totally lost you. Hans goes there and throws a little basket full of black bread in front of the basket with the bird in it, and the little bird comes out and looks up. Hello, my son. Are you here? says the father. And the son is delighted to see his father. But the master thief says... The devil must have prompted you, or how could you have known your son? Father, uh, let us go now, said the youth. Then the father and son set out homeward. On the way, a carriage comes driving by, and the son says to his father, I will change myself into a large greyhound, and then you can earn a great deal of money by me. 
Then the gentleman calls from the carriage. My man, will you sell your dog? I, I yeah. think I lost you about a minute ago. What is going on? That's pretty I'm bonkers. So it's quite bonkers. I think this is the most confused I've been in a long time. I got quite quite good, dare I say, at following these tales, but this has lost me. Okay, well, it does get more confusing. <laughs> oh, no! So the son... Mm. I'm, what? Who's right, okay, quick recap. Right. Okay. <laughs> Dad's like, I need to go get my son. Yeah. Dwarf says, your son's a little bird in a basket. Take that. a basket of bread with you and coax out the bird. The, the father gives the basket the bird with the bird the basket. He goes, hello, son. He's I, like, chip, chip. He, hello, Dad. The master thief is like, ah, oh, how did you know? Oh, he's there. Yeah. Right. I'm so confused. Right, okay. okay. He's there, and now they're what? In a carriage, and he's turning into a greyhound. What's going on? Okay. He says, Dad, let's go home now, please. They go home. They're going home. On the way, a carriage comes by with a gentleman. The son says, Dad, Dad, I'm going to turn myself into a big dog and you're going to make a load of money. The gentleman from the carriage says, My man, will you sell your dog? And the father says, Yes. And that's where we're up to. Ah, uh, okay. He's got a lovely greyhound. He's going to sell him. He's like winking at the greyhound. The greyhound's like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, says the father. How much do you want for it? Hmm. 30 talkers? Eh, my man, that is too much. But as it is such a very fine dog, I will have it. The gentleman takes it into his carriage. But when they have driven a little farther, the dog springs out of the carriage through the window and goes back to his father and is no longer a greyhound. They go home together. (laughs) (laughs) Good piece of information. (laughs) That's all done and dusted. Excellent. Next day, there is a fair in the neighbouring town. So the youth says to his father, I will change myself into a beautiful horse and you can sell me. But when you have sold me, you must take off my bridle, or I cannot become a man again. Uh-huh. Then the father goes with the horse to the fair, and the master thief comes and Uh-oh. buys the horse for a hundred talkers. But the father forgets and does not take off the bridle. So the man goes home with the horse and puts it in the stable. Oh dear. And he's accidentally trapped his son in the body of a horse that's with his old master thief. Yeah. When the maid crosses the threshold, the horse says, Take off my bridle. And she goes, backs out the door like, "Uh." (laughs) Then the maid stands still and (laughs) says, What? You can speak? Yeah, that's how I'd react. So she goes and takes the bridle off. Yay. Um, And the horse becomes a sparrow and flies out at the door. Yes. And the master becomes a sparrow also and flies after him. <gasps> Epic! Yeah, we got a chase scene. We got a sparrow chasing. This is amazing. <laughs> then they come together and cast lots, but the master loses and changes himself to the water and is a fish. <laughs> then, then, then we're so close now. <laughs> then the youth becomes a fish and they cast lots again, and the master loses. So the master changes himself into a cock. And the youth becomes a fox and bites the master's head off, and he died and has remained dead to this day. The end. We 
we've had some mad ones. That takes the biscuit. What? What? Okay, I'll say it again. I haven't been that confused for a long time. Yeah. That, that, I knew, was, yeah. A, that was mental. I knew we'd have some problems. Yeah, we had some problems. <laughs> I don't understand what happened at the end, though. Nothing is clear in this story. Oh, but the, the clincher is he, he died and remained dead. Which is a surprise <laughs> to this very day. I love on the death of the little hen, it was like, and everyone died. Dies. The end. And now we've got a new twist on that. And he died and, <laughs> and has he's remained still dead. And, he's and still he was dead. dead last year and this year. He'll be dead for some time. In a way, it's darker than <laughs> everyone died. That's a great ending. I have to say that ending works for me. He died and has remained dead. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when you can turn into water and a cock and things like that, it's not True. a given that you'll remain True. dead. You might like come back yeah. in some way. But no, not this guy. <laughs> He's still dead. He's still dead. He's been dead. Right. Okay. Right, okay. I just uh, want to yeah. say, first of all, this was our second patron chosen story. It was. So thank you for that. This was my story. So the first ever story on the podcast that Matt has chosen. How does it feel? Technically, no. That's true, because the pilot episode, you chose those two stories. Well, I'm not going to take credit for uh, Hands in Luck, because that was the first story in the book that I had. Okay, but you chose chose Old Old Sultan. So that's a weird collection. I've chosen Old Sultan and The Thief and His Master. (laughs) Or, you know, the patrons chose this, but uh, yeah. But that was your shortlist. It's been a long time. I can't even remember what my shortlist was. This beat Fledgling, which Ah. was Adam's choice, Fledgling, quite roundly. Happy with your choice? I'm not sure. Really? I feel like it had a lot of promise. Yeah. And I don't know if it ever lived up to it or if it was too confusing or if it ever sparked into life. Just, I don't know. Not sure what I think, so Adam. I have, what do you think? Well, I have to ask you. So this is the first time I've heard it, obviously. Yeah. I was mega confused. Were yeah, yeah. you confused when you first read that? Uh, yeah, desperately. Okay, you were. Good. Desperately it's not just confused. Me. <laughs> it, it was it was bizarre, and it's written um, in a very strange way. It's it really is. I think that's what I had problem with. It just doesn't explain anything. It just no. packs so much in, yeah, but without kind of giving anything away. Uh, it doesn't hold your hand. The story. <laughs> no, it certainly doesn't. No. And actually, okay, <laughs> let's go right back to the beginning. Let's take it right back. Right back to the beginning. What was that guy's game there? Is he yeah. just pulling a prank, like a holy yeah, prank? Yeah, yeah. It's just a prank. <laughs> Holy prank. <laughs> Holy prank. <laughs> Holy prank. Well, yeah, we've got a few weird characters. So, so who was that? What was he? That was the, the clerk. The clerk. That was the, the clerk got behind the altar. I think I've seen elsewhere that it says the, uh, the sexton as well. So okay. someone works in the church, but not the priest. He thought he'd have a little bit of fun and see if he'd fool the... I don't know. What's what this game? Doing? I mean, it's made explicitly clear that this is not God telling him to no, do no, this. No, exactly. It's a prank. It is, yeah. <laughs> and Hans is uh, he's a gullible old fool. Yeah, it's like, okay, thieving, fine. But in the, in, the, in the end, I mean, I'm guessing it works out well for them. I like the idea that, okay, so he can shapeshift now, and the yeah. way <laughs> they make money is he turns himself into something, gets himself sold, and then just turns back <laughs> and comes out again. <laughs> like, that's their money making. That's brilliant. It's pretty lowest common denominator <laughs> making money out of magic. <laughs> I have to say, you know, even though it was past, I like these characters. We've got a holy prank from a holy clerk. <laughs> we've got a wizard thief. And we've got a, uh, a little helpful dwarf man. Yeah, what? Okay, we've got a gentleman yeah. on the road. This is great. How did the dwarf know? Who, who is he? Well, 
one of the key aspects of a fairy tale is having a magical helper, which could be a dwarf or a wizard or a fairy sure, or whatever. Like the old who man comes in the woods or something, yeah. Exactly, who comes in and saves or gives the critical piece of information or magically helps the hero of the story. Yeah. And that's just what he's doing there. He's just fulfilling that magical helper role. Sure. So we don't need to know who he is. It's just there's the dwarf who knows that that little sparrow is your son. I mean, the best bit of the story, I think, for me, and it's a sort of a, a situation that doesn't last long in the story, but the bit where he's now gone back to his old master mm-hmm. as a horse, but his dad's forgotten to do the one thing, <laughs> so he's stuck as a horse. That, yeah. as a like premise, is like, oh, that's really good. They fix it quite quickly. Just yeah. Like, Takes the bridle off, but That's imagine it. that. I think this story, they need to let this story breathe a little bit. I think so. It's just They've jammed a lot of stuff they, in. They've jammed it in. They, I mean, they've just thrown everything they've got they at They really it, have. Sparrow yeah. chasing, check. <laughs> but in a way, there's almost no tension or there's no um, yes, because suspense because it it's just... Leaps on to the next thing. Thief. He's a thief. He's a thief. I came across the idea. I, I, looked, I tried to look a little bit into thie- thievery in The Brothers Grimm. Yeah. And it's true that uh, a lot of our characters, they get what they need through deception and yes. even, say, the devil with the three golden hairs. He has to go and steal the hairs from the devil. That's so true. It, yeah. he's technically That's being true. a thief there. Yeah. We don't think of it in those terms no. if it's the hero, do we? Absolutely. Apparently there are three tales that directly deal with thievery and thieves. There's okay. this one, the thief and his master. Yeah. There's also the master thief. And there's an, another oh. one called The Four Skillful Brothers. And Jack Zipes, who is a fairy tale academic man, he argues that the thief character is related to the typical deft, cunning hero that uses brains over brawn. And he claims that Thumbling Simpleton, you know, we've met Simpleton in a few stories, yep. the thief, the youngest son, they're all basically the same character or they serve the same function. They're this hero that goes up against bigger forces and uses cunning, deception, deafness, cleverness to overcome the obstacles. There are almost two opposing strands you see through the Brothers Grimm because there are also ones which display the exact opposite of that. So mm-hmm. of the simpleton mm-hmm. winning, you know, mm-hmm. a story of the youth, he has no smarts whatsoever. Like, there's no cunning there, because there's no intent. He just sort of blunders his way through things. There's quite a few characters like that. The Queen Bee, for example. He's not smart, is he? The older brothers are smarter, but he's just nice to things, and it's the niceness it's true, that yeah. wins the day. Oh, gosh, I don't know, I maybe I'm throwing an unnecessary spanner in the works, but... You're right, I agree with you. But I think what Jack Zipes is, he, he's trying to... So in this um, paper that he was talking about this, he's talking about the hero of the Brothers Grimm stories and how what the Brothers Grimm were doing is sort of a bit of social conditioning with their book. So they're creating the perfect male hero for that period of time. Right. The kind of bourgeois male hero. Okay. So actually I've got a quote from Jack Sipes. He says on this kind of what he's describing as this central character, which he's saying is like the thief, thumbling simpleton. Yeah. He says... He is faced with unruly forces of nature and a world that is unjust or incomprehensible and he represents the moral principle of order based on reason and cunning. His task is to enlighten himself and the world and order the world according to his own basic self-interest. Jack Zipes is arguing that this is what this character is doing. Right. 
he is the Protestant German bourgeois hero. And he relates this to Odysseus from uh, the ancient Greek hero from the Odyssey, from the Odyssey yeah. who basically uses brains to, to, as he says there, reorder the world to his own advantage. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite it's quite an yeah, intense yeah. point, yeah, but that's sure. kind of what Jack Zipes is arguing. And I thought that was quite interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, it's quite, well, it's quite high-minded stuff I'm trying to wrap my head around. Does it make sense, though? I think so. He calls it a form of civilizing rationality. It so does it, make sense. In a chaotic world, it's been brought to order to the advantage of that hero, which is usually male, usually sure. um, cunning, kind of entrepreneurial in a way. Like, I mean, maybe the use of the word order is perhaps a bit misleading in my mind because I'm thinking of fumbling and thinking, <laughs> whilst he does sort of rig each situation he finds himself in his favour, I wouldn't call mm. the resulting... No. mess orderly no <laughs> like it's chaos <laughs> but it's i guess true. he's he's rigging it in his favor constantly huh. no that's very interesting interesting point i would right? never have thought of that connection this story has with other stories is the bit you were most excited about the transformation chase oh. that happened at the end there's a common theme in fairy tales folklore myth and stories a transformation chase i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna possibly make you a bit upset now adam why sorry you, why i hate it when this happens uh, i hate it too a transformation chase is the main part of a story called fledgling uh, there are no words. There aren't. I mean. So, um, my story, the thief and his master, a beat. Adam's story, fledgling. So and our we poll. unwittingly <laughs> chose the two main what? transformation sequence stories. Isn't that unbelievable? What? I I can't. I couldn't quite get my head around it. And obviously, I haven't read fledgling because I'm not allowed to. I don't read it ahead. No, Only no, the no. ones we've chosen. I can't believe <laughs> we both chose transformation chase stories, and we've never had one before. No. Isn't that mad? Well, it, be- it begs the question, uh, and, and I'm, I'm asking you, yeah. patrons, <laughs> did you pick the better one? I mean, maybe <laughs> not. We're going to have to move on. We'll okay. get to fledgling one day. So the Brothers Grimm, in their research, found many, many connections with this story and other stories from around the world. Uh, and I found two that struck me that we'll briefly visit. Okay. So we're going to Wales and Venice. <gasps> I'm always excited when we go to Wales. We've had some absolute corkers from there in the past. There's a transformation chase in a story from Welsh pagan mythology. Should we go to Wales? Let's go to Wales. Let's go to Wales. Let's go to Wales. Yes. So, yeah, pagan mythology, Welsh pagan mythology. That's a world we've not gone near. I've never gone near before. It's a big world. It's a big world. um, Which neither of us know anything about. But let's briefly dip our toes into it. Uh, Picking up on the theme of the transformation chase, Uh the Brothers Grimm mentioned the Welsh saga of Ceridwen, a tale of the white witch or goddess Ceridwen. This is one of the best known stories in Welsh mythology. Okay. Would you like to hear it? Uh, uh, Yes. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll sum it up. Good, that's that's, (laughs) that's the right answer. (laughs) The story comes from the Book of Taliesin, 
a medieval Welsh manuscript dating from the early 14th century. But the stories from that are likely much older. They're poems. There's 56 poems in this book. Right. It's one of the primary sources of Welsh mythology. I'm just going to very briefly tell you the story of Ceridwen. Sure. Ceridwen, a lovely name, by the way, Ceridwen. is married to Tegid Fowell. They live near Bala Lake. Ah, I've been know there. It? I've been there. Have you? I have. That's the thing about mythology. These, like, it's, it's all about places that exist. Yeah. Uh, what is it nice? It's lovely. There's a little steam train there. Is there? There is. <laughs> Probably wasn't that then. But. So picture that while you're listening to the story. <laughs> yeah. Adam on a steam train <laughs> around the lake yeah, that's with it. the white witch goddess <laughs> and her husband, Tegid. So they have a son, uh, Morfran, and he's deformed and an imbecile. Now, Ceridwen decides to make a potion in her cauldron to make him beautiful and wise, okay. her son. Yeah. The potion needed to be stirred for a year and a day. So she enlists a blind bloke who was tasked with minding the fire, while a servant boy, Gwion Bach, had to stir the pot. Now, one day, while the servant Gwion was stirring, three drops splashed on his thumb, and he shoved his thumb in his mouth quickly... <laughs> And he was instantly wise and beautiful. <laughs> Imagine that happening. Now, he looked in the mirror and thought... Uh-oh. He thought... Well, first he thought, hello. Hello. And then he thought, oh, oh dear. Oh, dear. And he fled because uh, Keridwen would be furious. And now, we've got a transformation chase on our hands. Dun, dun, dun. The witch is after him. Right. <laughs> Catch that handsome man. He's looking <laughs> great, but... So, right. Here we go. Action okay. scene. Gwion... He changed into a hare. Nice. Keridwen became a greyhound. So they're chasing, chasing, <gasps> chasing. Yeah. That's smart. good, isn't it? That is yeah. a smart move. I would do that. So he flipped it up into a fish and he jumped in the river. She went with otter, gave chase. Oh, boy! <laughs> I love this. This An is great. otter chasing a fish. Then he, the fish just like flew out of the water nice. and turned into a hawk. Yes. She did the same. It's hawk on hawk, Adam. It's hawk time. It's hawk on hawk. <laughs> Now, she is a very powerful sorceress, and Gwion, knowing that the game's up, he's going to lose this. He thought he'd be clever. He changed into a single grain of wheat and to try to hide. That feels like a bad move. So imagine, like, they're fighting in the air, and carried when the hawk dives down, <gasps> grabs it. No. And she gobbles him up. No. And then he turns into a big horse, and <laughs> she explodes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a better ending. <laughs> she carried on with her life. Thinking that she sorted that out. Yeah, done that. But one day she realised she was pregnant. The seed no, was growing inside on. her. No. She knows what's going on. And she's like, when I give birth, I'm going to do away with this kid. Because I'm really angry at Gwion. Eventually, she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. And she couldn't bring herself to kill it. Yeah. Instead, she put it in a box and pushed it out to sea, where he was found and raised by a prince. The end of what? the Keridwen story. What? Uh, so that's a 700-year-old story from Wales that, that involves a very, very, very similar scene to a story told to the Brothers Grimm in 19th century Germany. Okay, there is a hard and fast rule now. Yeah. Wales will never disappoint. That was fantastic. <laughs> Good old Wales. They should have that when you're driving over the bridge. <laughs> Welcome to disappoint. Wales. It'll never disappoint. <laughs> that is fantastic. Did you like it? That was an incredible story. And what I I prefer that 
transformation chase as well to the one yeah, we had. Yeah, it's more right? cinematic in my head anyway. It's cinematic. <laughs> Early Hawks Kubrick. Oh, amazing. It's good, wasn't it? That's so good. Are you ready to travel through to time to Venice. 16th century Venice? Let's do it. Let's go to Venice. Everyone. <laughs> Take a very slow... <laughs> a slow gondola. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, so not only a transformation chase here, but we have the very first version of The Thief and His Master. Mm-hmm. Like the full story. Okay. A story called Maestro Latancio and his Apprentice Dionigi. This story was written by a very important chap who we've not mentioned before named Giovanni Francesco Straparola. Okay. So we've talked a lot about some of the other fairy tale writers. Basile. Basile. Charles Perrault. Yes. Who, wrote, who was a, a French author who wrote uh, the early like Red Riding Hoods and things like that. Yeah. Hans Christian Andersen, of course, a Bjornsson and Mo. But there's one person who comes before all those guys. Straparola wrote what is regarded as the first ever European fairy tale book, what's recognizably a fairy wow. tale book, called La Piacevoli Notti. I think in English it's known as The Facetious Knights of Straparola. It was published in Venice in two parts in 1550 and 1553. Wow. It takes the shape of a frame story. The, the setup is there's a party on an island, just a, a wicked cool party. Nice. And for 13 consecutive nights, the characters take turns to tell stories. Okay. The Facetious Nights contains the earliest versions of The Golden Goose. Okay. Puss in Boots. Oh. It has a weird beauty in the beast, apparently. Okay. How Six Men Got On in the World. <gasps> Epic. Early one. Wow. And the thief and his master. Nice. So this story comes from the eighth night, fifth story, and it's called Maestro Latancio and his apprentice Dionigi. In uh, in Messina, in Sicily, mm-hmm. there was a man who was both a tailor and a magician. Okay. Okay. You can do both. You can do both. Yeah, you can have it all, Adam. He's got a side <laughs> hustle. Uh, his name was Latancio. And he took on an apprentice tailor called Dionigi. But the boy, Dionigi, he figured out that, you know, his master tailor, who's teaching him, was a secret magician. magician. Yeah. (laughs) And so Dionigi secretly watched him doing his magic and was, like, learning it. Nice. Long story short, he learned all his magic tricks, so he's fully up to speed with magic. He went home and tried to help his dad get rich. And he says, Dad, look, I'm going to turn myself into a horse. Sell me at the fair. Only be sure to take my saddle off. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Sounds very familiar. At the fair, Latancio is there, the master. Uh-oh. The maestro. And he realizes what's going on. Okay. And he buys the horse. Now, it's not that the father forgets about the saddle. He just offers masses of money. And the dad goes, all right, then. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, what's my son worth? <laughs> and so he gets him and the saddle. So he's trapped uh, as a horse. Latancho takes him home and routinely beats him. The oh, horse no. <laughs> just beats up the horse. Oh, there was also a lot of beating earlier that I skipped over. Uh, okay. However, Latancho, the master, his two daughters take pity on the horse. And, quote... Every day, they would go to the stable to fondle it and to bestow upon it many tender caresses. That's nice, isn't it? That's very nice. They took the horse down to the river to get a drink, took his saddle off. 
He immediately transformed into a fish and raced off. <laughs> what do you mean raced off? He t- turned off. to a fish with legs. <laughs> I'm out of here. See you later. And the sister's like, what, what was going that? Latancho comes home and finds out what's happened. Uh-oh. He flies into a rage, rips off all his clothes. <laughs> That's not necessary. <laughs> and he runs to the river. <laughs> and... We got a, we got a transformation chase on our hands. Out of yeah, naked man versus fish um, man. It's not so exciting this one though. So Latancho turns into a fish. Yeah. And he swims after him. So Dionigi oh. looks behind the fish. Looks behind Uh-oh. him and he sees him catching. He's gaining up. on me. He's gaining on me. So he flies out the water. Nice. And then he changes into a ruby ring and he landed in the basket of the princess's maid. Now, Violante, the king's daughter, the princess. She found the ring in the basket. She thought, that's nice. And she slipped it on uh, and went to bed. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, uh-oh. Yes, uh-oh. Uh, in the middle of the night, he turns back into a man. He crosses a few lines. Yeah, sure. She wakes up alarmed. Of course. And says, back off. He, he then explains to her his predicament and exactly what happened. I was the ring. Now I'm a man. I was chased. And then they actually spend the night having a lovely chat. So it's all good. Oh, that's lovely. Um, She agrees that by day, he can be a ring. She'll wear it, lovely. And by night, quote, she would often take it out so that it might assume human form and hold sweet discourse with her. Okay, well, that's a good say no more on that. Anyway, the king gets ill, her dad. Right. Latancho, the tailor magician, he arrives and says, "I I can cure you. He then says, all I want as a reward is the princess's ring. So in a sort of mock rage, she throws the ring at the wall, whereupon it turns into a pomegranate, (laughs) smashes, and the seeds go everywhere. Immediately, Maestro Latancho turns into a cock and starts pecking all the seeds. He he gobbles them all up, but one was hidden. And Dionigi then, that one seed, turned into a fox, silently crept up, and having seized it by the throat, slew it and devoured it in the presence of the king and the princess. Dionigi then changed back, explained the situation, yeah. and the king said, all right, marry my daughter, sir. That's the original 16th century Italian version of The Thief and His Master, and I think I prefer it. Yeah, me too. It's mad. Yeah. It's utterly <laughs> mad. That was genuinely the short version. Let's talk scores. So I think, in a way, for me, learning a bit more about these other things, seeing the transformation chase, hearing what I kind of think of as the proper story of that, improved it for me. So what I was about to say is that I don't know where I stand because my head is so full of these other amazing stories I've just heard that actually trying to think back to the original story, (laughs) I'm not sure if it does help because... Does it not make it seem like a, a slightly paler imitation? And actually, we're supposed to mark the merit of the story, not necessarily the background info. 
I don't know. Or how are you scoring your stories? Because I just try and think of the story itself. <laughs> we should have worked this out. We should have done. Before we started the podcast. About two years ago. Funnily enough, I don't think it does make this storytelling comparison because okay. I think they are, they are historical documents. The whole idea originally was an academic venture to tell the stories of the people, the poetry of the German people. Yeah. But actually, unwittingly, what it became is this global thing of mm. these international stories. Yeah. In a way, the, story, the Brothers Grimm story sometimes can be a smaller part of something bigger. Yeah. And I think when we tap into that, perhaps for me that actually breathes more life into a story that perhaps was lacking. I don't think it entirely redeems it because I think that was perhaps a strange version of a, a story. Yeah. And I don't like the way it was written. I don't think it, it took us along with it. I, it jumped around too no, much. No, it was quite stilted in its structure but at the same time it provides a key to unlock something else sure I, for me that stands in its favor it's um and i think actually in the devil of the three golden hairs you said that these stories are elevated when they have so much going on under the surface so you kind of said the opposite of what you've just said um i think particularly i enjoyed that last story so much and the welsh one so much yeah that of the three yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one i'm scoring is my least favorite okay yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah so you think that's made it actually worse because did you enjoy it when you first heard it? i wasn't too sure i did but did you? okay i i was particularly confused and befuddled by the whole proceedings so you like a mad one but not necessarily a confusing one that's exactly right okay, i think we've it. hit on something there okay mad but <laughs> we've not got, confusing got something there yeah mm. i okay i have a score that's come to mind then I think I'm going to give this story a seven. A seven? Yeah. Okay. It's difficult because I can't quite separate it from the other things. I really enjoyed those other stories. It loses points for being confusing and for perhaps not fully realising the potential of some quite interesting story arcs. Okay. But gains a lot of points for being quite a lot of fun. That's my thinking. What's your score? I wasn't particularly taken with it yeah. when I read it. However, as so often happens, I felt when we were reading it... came to life. It did a little bit. Yeah. And I could see you were enjoying it. I, w I was enjoying it. And as you say, these the Welsh story and the Venetian story, which is just a little bit I took from just the Brothers Grimm's notes that they have, were great. And the transformation chase was brilliant. I think initially I thought I'd give it about a five, but I think it did kind of come alive a little bit. I'm thinking 5.5 or 6. Oh, wow. Lower than me, then. Interesting. Let me give it a 6. A, there we there go. We go. There we go. So that is a 13 for The Thief and His Master. Not bad at all. Well done. Got, it was close. It, it could have been close. a lot worse. Yes. But you were saved by Wales and Venice. <laughs> Amazing. So we've reached the end of our cycle of stories. We have. That was our patron chosen story from our patron-only poll. Adam is now going to pick the next three stories that we're going to read. And then after that, we're going to reveal the next story that's chosen by our patrons, which will be the fourth one we read. Exactly. So, Adam, what are the th next three stories we're going to hear? So the next story you'll be reading, Matt. The Dog and the Sparrow. <laughs> the Dog and the Sparrow. Come on. Lovely. Child-friendly. Oh, yes. Hopefully. We hope. You never know. Yeah. The second story will be... The Water Nixie. Oh. Now, I think that's a biggie. Oh, is it now? I've come across that a few times. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about I it. I don't know what a Nixie is, and that's kind of why <laughs> I wanted to hear it. Great. The third one will be 
the gold children. The gold children? The gold children. Did you just make that up? I is did that not one? make I've that up. I've seen that, that one. actually on the list. Got, what number is that one? Uh, that is number 85. Oh, so it's one of the very last ones. And then that brings us on to the fourth story. Chosen by our wonderful patrons who participated in our patron-only poll. Yes, they did. So Matt and I came up with a, a story each that we wanted to hear. And secretly. Secretly. You don't know which one was which. And you guys have spoken. And we have the results. The two stories were Brother Lustig and The Three Languages. Mm. Now, the results are in, Matt. As always, everybody's a winner here. Oh, God, he's got a caveat. It's not going to be good. <laughs> but mm. someone has won more than the other. <laughs> and this has been our most decisive choice oh, yet. Man. With 75% of the vote, we are going to hear the three languages, and that was my choice. <laughs> He's back in the game. <laughs> okay, all right. Second place isn't too bad. It's not too bad, is it? I do feel perhaps I might have dropped the ball a little bit. With your story uh, choice. Brother Lustig so mm. sounds... Brother Lustig. Sounds great, but the three languages, though. I know, that was a good title. Yeah, come on. I think uh, Brother Lustig it just sounds like a meaty story. But you know what? The three languages. Three languages. That's what the people want to hear, this and that's is, what they're going to hear. Yeah, you don't want to hear from the loser. We want to <laughs> hear three languages. Can't wait. I'm was, so excited for that. That was an absolute landslide. Man. It was. I was surprised. Was shocking. I thought it would be a lot closer to, than that, yeah. and I thought, to be honest, that you would get it again. I knew there'd be stiff competition. Like, mm. I didn't think it was a shoe-in at all. No. In fact, I, was, I thought I felt Brother Lustig would be an underdog. And it was a lot. I had chosen another story, and that was a last-minute change. Oh. But made a mistake, clearly. Maybe. So the next four stories we will be hearing are The Dog and the Sparrow, The Water Nixie, The Gold Children, and The Three Languages. So now we're going to announce the next two stories in our patron poll and this will be the last poll of series two so we'll be uh taking a little bit of a break like we did last summer obviously we've got quite a few stories yet to come but just to let you know that this will be the last poll so with that in mind you'll be choosing the series finale for series two and so fittingly both matt and i have selected two of the bigger names of the brothers grimm and the two stories are Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. So that is Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella. What, two of the most famous stories in the collection? Yes, Matt. Oh, my. It's been two years and it's time to bring out the Battle of the Princesses. Is that what it will be henceforth known as? That's what they're as. all calling it already. <laughs> they are everyone. Twitter <laughs> is lighting up. Yeah, oh, yeah. So Cinderella Brilliant. or great. Sleeping Beauty. The choice is yours for mm -hmm. Series 2 finale. So that is still going to be a while away. Um, yes. And then when we finish that, we're going to have a break. But what I'm planning to do is an extra grim. We haven't had one for a while. We haven't. So during the break, I'm hoping that we will release a Brothers Grimm biography episode. Fantastic. So the story of their life, basically. Yes. This is something that was mentioned very early on in the podcast that we said we'd get to at some point. Yeah. I think we're getting to it. I think it's going to happen. Fantastic. Well, I will see you next time for The Dog and the Sparrow. 
Yes, indeed. Cannot Wonderful. wait. Well, I need to uh, head back to my castle library to start looking into that. You do. You've got to be busy. Better yeah. get on that horse pronto. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.